Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani, on a holiday weekend. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day for all the Americans out there. It's a pretty uh, uh, national kind of week for us here. We've got uh, the federal holiday and then inauguration week here in D.C., a new president coming to town. I'm Chris. I'm with Marco and Tad. How are you guys? Great, great. It's funny to see that the, uh, the White House is going to turn into uh, Trump Hotel now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're all uh, living in D.C. now. Uh, what uh, What are you guys expecting for Inauguration Week here? Well, I live in Chinatown, and uh, I'm next to a couple federal buildings. I saw they started putting up barriers everywhere, so uh, hopefully people don't start getting too wild. Yeah, and uh, it, as far as driving goes, uh, Mark, I think you're right. Don't drive in D.C. if you can help it this week. It's uh, going to be a lot of closed roads. Did Francesco elect Toti get elected president? <laughs> not yet, not yet. You should be. I voted for him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, with the inauguration week, uh, smooth transition of power. Pretty, pretty. Uh, um, that's something special that that we uh, we don't take for granted. But anyone coming to DC, uh, please be respectful, courteous. Please respect our city. <laughs> and listen to our podcast. And yeah. listen to our co- podcast on the way do- down. Make, make yeah. Curve America great. Yep. Uh, so we got some other big news. Marco, I'm shocked, uh, having t- had my wisdom teeth taken out as well. You are speaking, uh, with four less teeth in your mouth. How are you feeling? I mean, it, it, it swelled up for the first couple of days, but, uh, you know, got back on the horse, went back to work and, uh, did, did the research. I was watching the games this weekend. I just, I couldn't help myself. I popped two ibuprofens, about eight, 1200 milligrams before this thing. So I'm ready to go. How much, how much sugar? Did you eat this weekend? I had, I had, I was sucking on candies, but I don't really, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like ice cream that much. Everybody yeah. keeps asking me that, but I mean, I like ice cream, but it just, it creates, it creates issues of the, of the bowel. I see. Yeah. I was just thinking more about how the rest of your teeth rotten out of your head then. <laughs> sucking on candies all the time. Yeah. That's the other thing. Isn't that your New Year's resolution already crashed and burned? Surgery will allow you to eat sugar. That's, that's allowed. <laughs> Well, glad uh, that you, you made it to the podcast and uh, are, are speaking uh, fairly well <laughs> this week. Uh, let's jump right in. Uh, we got some Syria news. Um, our job might get easier here in the future here. Uh, Tavecchio, the leader of, uh, of uh, Syria, talking to maybe we don't need 20 teams in the league, guys. It might jump down to 18. Some teams in Serie B are de- declaring bankruptcy. What do you guys think of that? Would uh, less be more for Syria? Personally, I can see where this argument falls, but if you want to keep yourself, uh, you know, top of the league or top in Europe as a league, I think that you need to maintain, uh, you know, a, a large number of teams to to keep the competition spread out. I mean, look for example, look at the MLS, right? You don't see them reducing in size. You see them every year gaining new teams because they're trying to expand. They're trying to expand the viewership, the fan base. Um, so I'm not so sure that reducing the number of teams in Serie A is going to be the answer. I think there needs to be some other managerial decisions, uh, you know, to maybe distribute some of the wealth um, 
you know, I know that's a, a touchy subject now, especially with this inauguration week week coming in. But it just needs to be something that Tavecchio needs to to see if they can somehow get money spread around the league a little bit easier. Yeah, I uh, I'm all for more uh, competitive leagues and and being sustainable. Uh, I will we would make Serie A the only team with less than twenty, right, in the top leagues in Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, um, how that would affect us with with the other uh, leagues out there, but. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm. I'll just leave it there. If it makes us more competitive, give it a shot. My, my question is: is you know he thinks it will make the league more competitive and sustainable. Is the Serie A not competitive or sustainable? Seems like those two things are pretty much what the Serie A is. Um, it's a highly competitive league from top to bottom. Uh, I mean, even Crotone, who uh, just they lose all the time, but they lose in like the 80th minute, one zero. That's right. Uh, so I mean, the, I don't think reducing the number of teams is going to make the league better. Um, I think that especially Italians living in Italy, they want to be able to watch their team play in the top division. Um, so twenty taking two away from them is, is not going to be a great thing. Yeah. On the international stage, guys. Uh, not reducing, but expanding. News came out last week. World Cup for the 2026 World Cup is going to expand from 32 to 48 teams. FIFA's president, Infantino, said football is more than just Europe and South America. Football is global. And being a, a, a citizen of North America, uh, I'm glad that he's, he's counting us uh, as part of the global audience here. But a new structure, guys. Uh, it got approved unanimous, unanimously. I guess it, just let me break it down for the first part. 48 teams. We go to 16, three-team groups for the first stage. From that group, the top two teams advance, and then we go to the 32-team knockout round, and the tournament goes forward. Sounds simple enough. So what do you think? You, you like it? Hate it? What are the pros and cons of this new World Cup? Well, it's, it's just for money. That's yeah. what FIFA doesn't do anything unless it's motivated by a lot of money. And I saw some reports out there that they're gonna they're you can expect to make five billion more dollars by adding these teams. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's kind of irrelevant what I think because they've already went and done it. Um, you know, I guess like like keep with my mantra as long as Norway and Northern Ireland have a better chance, so my ancestral homelands can get in there and slug it out. But they're not they're they're not doing this for the grace of the tournament. They're doing it just simply to make more money. We were just talking about a second ago, you know, when you're talking about bringing in more money and bringing in more competition, you know, generally speaking, I I use the MLS as an example, but now, now we have an international example here. It just, I'm just tying it back to why would the city, I want to reduce the number of teams when everybody else is, is telling you that, you know, to make more money, you get more teams. I mean, again, it's just, uh, it's, it's curious, but for me, I'm glad, you know, I just want to see international football as uh, for months on end. And so if it's going to expand the World Cup, I'm happy. Yeah, my only concern with it of the articles I read was that the quality would go down. You're going to see a lot more uh, games where both teams know going into it. If they finish with a 0-0 draw, that's good for them and they'll advance. So that kind of takes the fun out of it. But I, I see why, you know, if it's a, a bigger global party, it really is the global World Cup. Um, that can be good. doesn't matter what we think, I guess. It's going forward, and we'll, we'll see how it pans out in 2026. Azerbaijan. That's yeah. going to be my dark horse team for the 2026 World Cup. <laughs> yeah. After I become a serious Quarabag fan. <laughs> 
A lot of Cinderella's uh, hopeful for uh, 2026. They're going to start making cleats out of glass now. Ah, ah, nice. I see where you're going. Let's turn our attention, guys. we got social media next and, and a big announcement uh, with a, another website out there that covers Syria action, specifically AS Roma. Um, so first off, you can find us, Curve America, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. we got an email account, Fabio at CurveAmerica.com. And now there's a new place to find us, ASRoma360.com. We're going to do a collaboration with them. So you can find our podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes. It's all on their website on a special tab that they, they put on for us. So many thanks to Stefano for reaching out. Um, we hope we can reach more fans out there of the Serie A. For better or worse, guys, we are going to be even more of Roma homers now. <laughs> yeah. You can find us on a uh, Roma-specific uh, website for sure. Grazie, we, Stefano. We, we turned down um, OTFR360. They don't have websites. Come on. <laughs> so uh, with social media, we did uh, get another question this week. Uh, so we're going to talk about it. Mike in Virginia, he's got a question. Is Atalanta being smart with all of these transfers in the current window? What are their aspirations for this season? We've talked about this before the break a lot, guys. Uh, what do you think about Atalanta and the transfer window? Well, Gasparini came out and said after the their unfortunate loss this week which we'll get into later that they have to be buyers so uh, if they want to have the success if they want to compete if they want to you know win or go somewhere um you know like be a europe or or you know challenge for a spot in europe and that's the first time we're really hearing them specifically say we need to buy because they've lost a few players of recent so it looks like the coach is acknowledging that they need that they, they need to expand we talked about this with Mike at the Roma game this weekend. I mean, look, let's be realistic. Atalanta, yes, they're a Cinderella team, and they were having a great season. Uh, some of the players are probably going to get bought out at the end of the season because people are going to throw a massive amount of money at them. So they just have to be shrewd. It's the type of team that no matter what, how well they're doing, I think they have to be careful to keep the long-term goals in mind because end of the year, even if they end up in Europe – you know, there's a good chance that one of the top teams like Juve, Milan, or Inter, Roma are going to just, you know, poach their best players and then next season they're going to be scrambling. So they have to be shrewd at all times and they have to keep their, their heads on a swivel to that, to that extent. Yeah, Atalanta currently in seventh place with 35 points. Um, table's starting to shake out as to what you would expect with the stalwart teams being in the top, but Atalanta's still there with 35 points. So They did a good piece of business with Caldara. Yep, and he stays for uh, for the season, right? So, so we'll see. Um, we also have Copa Italia, guys. We talked about this too in the past, but uh, we've, we've kind of deflected it because the earlier rounds aren't that important. Important. Um, but uh, Italy's version of March Madness, where we just had the round of sixteen, and teams are starting to punch their tickets for the quarterfinal round. So we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about it a little bit this week. Um, Marco, what do you got with the results from last week for Copa Italia? Yeah, well, you know, speaking of Atalanta, they have a great game against Juve. Uh, and then, uh, un- unfortunately, it's all for nothing because um, they lose 3-2. to two. And, uh, you know, again, uh, the-, the game was really exciting. It was back and forth uh, with the goals. But in the end, Juve come out on top. It's a lot better than that 4-0 thrashing that Juventus gave them a couple weeks ago. 
Milan Torino 2 to 1. Uh you know, Milan's always made it into the quarterfinals, so they're going to be looking to do the same. Uh there is one thing that I wanted to pull from this game. Iturbe has a great run on Torino's goal. Uh you know, he he is a big part of why they made, scored that goal, but then later on in the game comes into the right-hand side of the uh, of the 18 and just with his right foot shanks the ball like 40 feet in the air and like a semi like flip and falls on the ground hashtag iturbe moments yeah um this is going to be the only milan torino game that we're going to be covering this week so you better better enjoy it while you can um but yeah we posted that on twitter the the iturbe shank hashtag iturbe moments fiorentina Chievo, two red cards that game, uh, but 1-0. And then this week, we got Inter Bologna, Sassuolo versus Cesena. Remember them? Uh, OTFR versus Genoa and Roma versus Sampdoria. So looking forward to Coppa Italia. It's shaping out to be a good tournament. Gomat texted me a car that he was behind that had a Cesena bumper sticker on it. So, All right. Syria and Coppa Italia grows in, in the, the U.S. here. So be on the lookout for that. Um, it should get exciting as we get to the final rounds here. But before we get there, guys, we got to talk about Week 20 in the Serie A weekend. We just had it. Um, there's one more game today that we, as Marco mentioned, we're not going to be able to talk about uh, uh, before recording. Uh, but it's a pretty good week, so we're going to do the rundown now. Fiorentina make the Serie A more interesting with a win over Juventus that will send everyone into a frenzy firing Allegri and wondering if they overpaid for Iguain. Everybody panic, even though he scored. <laughs> but seriously, thank you, Fiorentina. Um, Roma pull out another tough road win to start off 2017. Inter pilot on for the second half. OTFR get a big win over Atalanta. And Berardi is back for Sassuolo. For so, the second time in a row <laughs> so, can't say it enough man we talked about it enough when he was out yeah yeah so let's get to it guys wait wait, wait. before we start guys i'd like to start a uh weekly tradition here i have a shot full of olive oil just because we talk about it so much and you know now my my, my mouth can use all the lubrication that it can get uh for because it, of the surgery so uh bottoms up cheers that's an Edinburgh Crystal Scotch glass you have yeah, right there. I thought too. it was whiskey, but those, those things don't those <coughs> things don't come cheap. Yeah. The sweet nectar of uh, extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> Let's a, do this. A tradition is born. Let's jump to the top five. All right, guys, we're starting off with definitely the game of the week, Fiorentina and Juventus. The score here is 2-1. Headline's got to be Juventus' fourth defeat of the season, and the rest of Serie A celebrates. So the scores, two goals from Fiorentina in the first half. Fantastic effort from them. Kalinic opens it up uh, for scoring. He uh, knocks it home in the 37th minute. Pretty good goal. The second goal by Chiesa, I'd say he got a little lucky here. Uh, a long ball goes into the box. He taps it in with, with kind of like a sliding, a, a jumping scissor kick. Uh, changes the ball's arc, and we got 2 nothing Fiorentina over Juve in the 54th minute. Guys, there's another sub-20 Italian player. Love uh, it. Coming in and, and having contributing a huge goal. Yep. 
Now, we've been here before, right? Uh, usually, Juve kind of wins their games in the second half, and they do get one back here. Uh, Il Chiatone. Fapoji. Yeah, Iguain. He's in the right place at the right time. It's good enough for his 13th goal in the season, but not enough for a win. And Fiorentina pulls it out 2-1 here. Guys, what would you think of this game? Amazing, you know? I mean... I, I guys, I, I know it's easy to say now, but uh, before this game, and I was just looking at Fiorentina's run of results in the in, in the recent weeks, um, and it's just like it, the stage was set. You know, they were at home, playing well. Karanich saying, you know, China, leave me alone. And uh, it's it's just they they come into this game and they're firing all cylinders. Granted, it didn't look like the Juve we've been watching all season. No, it was is unbelievable to see that the suspect nature of Juventus in this game was their defense. Their defense was atrocious in this game. And that's not, I mean, Fiorentina is a team that has a lot of firepower. So you can't allow a team like that, you know, to get an inch and get some scoring in there. And, you know, the, the uh, Kalinic, of course, you know, rejecting all of the money in China, you know, makes them pay for it. Yep. We'll, we'll see with Juventus here. Uh, I found a quote that you know, usually coming back from the break, you know, there's there's sometimes teams that you'd expect to win uh, uh, fall off. Juve won their first game coming back, uh, and they, they had the Coppa Italia game too. But Leonardo Bonucci, uh, before the game, says, for them, meaning Fiorentina, it's the match of the year. And this game was in Florence. For us, it's just another match like all the others. And so that kind of, you know, not taking Fiorentina seriously and uh, ended up paying for it here. Second half, uh Juve has every forward. They're, they're just throwing everybody at the uh, at the net. Um, and for to be fair, Dybala, def, Juve had their chances, right, guys? I mean, we had written here Dybala. He should have put that away in the 89th minute, no? Well, that's the thing about Juve, right? And we've been saying it all season. Whether they lose or play bad, they're still in it. Um, something that I can't, unfortunately, say for AS Roma and other teams like Inter, like, if they're playing bad then you know what the result's going to be. It's not going to be favorable. But still, with this game, I'm watching this game, and I'm like, guys, you know, I cannot believe that you is even in this right now because they're playing like trash. But here they are, you know, Iguain's corner goal, and then Dybala shanking one on, like, the 80, 89th minute. I mean, we really... Everybody got lucky there, you know. It's just I thought Juve was still going to pull out, like, a tie, and I was just going to be, you know, really frustrated. Let's uh let's stick with Juve here. So they're they've got four losses on the season to Inter, AC, Genoa, the Giant Killers, and now Fiorentina. Um, their biggest transfer news has got to be Zaza this week. He's returning from West Ham loan. Um, what do you think? I, I do have to say this first. Juve has ten transfers already in this window, and we're only halfway through. So what do you guys think with, with Juve? Uh, in trouble here? Not not to be worried too yet too much. Uh, where, where's Juve stand after this game? I mean, I think Juventus is still the favorite to win the league. Um, their team is incredible. Um, Pjanic didn't even play in this game. Um, so I know that every time Juventus loses, we think that it's impossible for them to lose. But you got to realize that Syria is tough, and they have tough teams. And these teams are you know, professionals like everybody else, and they're all going in with a game plan to uh, you know, beat Juventus. Uh, and the great way to do it is at home if your team is hot, a team that's rallying behind Sousa. Um, you know, every week we, we talk about, is he going to lose his job? You know, is he not going to lose his job? But we forget to mention that you know, for all things and all intents and purposes, he's an excellent coach. 
Yeah, and you know, you mentioned a bunch of you know transfers and loans and deals like happening. Well, that's because Juventus has a long-term goal in, plan, in, in place. And usually if you, if you look into some of these transfers, it's like young players. You know, they, they seem to have their hands on every single youth product in the league. Because they do this, their management does a good job with the long-term. In terms of big transfers for this period, for this transfer period, I really don't think that they're going to be bringing in like any massive forward or anything like that because they have all the firepower and now they got the reinforcements in the midfield because that's where they seem to be having the most trouble with injuries, maybe in the defense as well, but they have good depth there. So like, like Tad just said, you know, they're going to be okay. Um, I think they're going to bounce back after this loss. We can just all be super happy that you had dropped a few points and now there's, you know, the gap is that much smaller. How about for uh, Fiorentina? Some some talk of uh, Souza, the coach who has been embattled for the first half of the season. Before the game, I saw that there's some talk of him taking the Juve job. That was that was talked about pregame. Feels like his job's in pretty safe shape now. No. Well, there were there was over the break when we discussed last week. There's all this talk of Allegri going to Arsenal or something like that. And so they started to speculate as to who would replace him. And Sousa, you know, being a older, more established league coach, thought like a decent option. Um, but then again, it just seems like some speculation. Maybe some guy just made it up. Yeah, maybe he has a podcast too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were saying it a lot too about, you know, Sousa being on the hot seat. But, you know, now that they're, they're on the outside, you know, just kind of knocking on the door for Europe, as long as they're in that in that general realm, I think they're okay. Chris, have you forgiven them for loaning out Giuseppe Rossi? No, never will. And uh, Josh Perez uh, did not even dress for this game, so uh, the Americans didn't do too well for uh, Fiorentina here. Um, how about for the players on the field, guys? Uh, Kalinic, um, more talk uh, about going to China. There's a lot of that going around in the league. Um, what do you think of uh, him going to China? Well, everyone that's being linked to this is going to listen. If you see the type of money that they're throwing around, they're going to make way more than they would playing in Europe. Um, so, yeah, it just depends on the individual player. I mean, if they offer him enough money, if Fiorentino wants to sell him, he's going to go. I know it sounds like a stupid and simple comment, but if you see like Witzel, you know, getting $18 million a year. So um, my only thing is like sooner or later this has got to stop because I can't, I can't pick a Chinese team and watch them in the middle of the night. Well, you might be in luck, uh, Tad. There's big news coming out of China today. Uh, they're apparently limiting how many foreign players can play for a team at one time. So they want to max it out with three foreign players for each Chinese national player on the field. Um, that doesn't exactly say that they're going to stop buying players, but at least you're going to cut down on playing time, I guess, for, for international players. So. It, seem, it seems like the Chinese league is like the MLS on steroids, you know, where the MLS is able to get money for designated players and bring in kind of players towards the end of their careers. Um, the Chinese league is just throwing millions and millions of dollars. You know, I don't think this is a sustainable business model for the Chinese. I think that there is a bubble bursting around the corner. But it does beg the question, guys, because, look, Man City is a is a global giant, and it's a team, I get it, but we had this conversation at the, the Roma game this weekend. Can a league realistically become one of the top leagues in the world just by spending all these all this money and getting all these players is it realistic to think that in five ten years the chinese league could be at the level of the epl no i think that's really hard to do um 
you know, th there's a time connection that like you're going to have to have a lot of people in Europe and around the world able to watch a Chinese game. And I've joked about before, you know, a game in China at a different time. However, that being said, I think that there might be a Chinese team that can attract a lot of players and dominate that league and have a lot of success to bring more attention to the league over the long run. Yeah, uh, you're, you got to overcome a lot of tradition and history, which, you know, even I'd say is with the MLS, they're starting to have that, right? The, the, the rivalries and things like that are starting to sh take shape in our country. But Europe's got that for hundreds of years now with their squads that, that that's tough to let go and, and give up as if you're a fan, you're, you're part of that. And I think a lot of it also, just one last thing on this, is China's going to have to develop its own homegrown talent for that league to be as prestigious. You're going to have to be talking about great Chinese players. Um, it's one thing that you know, what's accelerated the sport in America. Yeah, money is great and all, but now that people can get excited about individual American players that have success on great levels, um, it brings more attention, and I think China needs that. Yep. So there you go. Uh Good, good win for uh, Fiorentina there. For as far as the standings goes, Fiorentina now in eighth place with 30 points. And Juve's only one point ahead of Roma, but it's a little deceiving. Actually, Fiorentina, uh, both of these teams have uh, games they have to make up. Um, so a little deceiving in the, uh, in the standings right now. Isn't Juventus' makeup game against Crotone as well? I think, I think it's, it's, you, it's, you might be right there, yeah. Uh, all right, guys, so the second game, Udinese and Roma. This one finishes 0-1 in Roma's favor. Two games played in 2017 for the Romanisti and two scrappy wins with 1-0 uh, the result in this game. Nangalan is the one who sends it home for us uh, with a volley in the first half. That was pretty great. What did you guys think of the goal? Good old stripper neck. Yeah, yeah, with the new rose tattoo, yep. Um, good goal. What did you guys think of that first off? Uh, yeah, the goal was uh, the highlight of the game, obviously. It was a beautiful pass from Strootman. And uh, I think that Strootman, with that pass and a few other the passes he made throughout the game, was really the man of match for me. Um, I think that this, this game in general was another tough one to watch uh, just because of it was slow, it was tactical. Udinese, similar to, to uh, Genoa last week, you know, just really trying to eke out this point. And they're at home, so, you know, they're in front of their home fans. They have that going as well. Um, but look, Roma right now, they they have the firepower. And, and had Jekyll scored, uh, you know, two of the 20 chances that he had, including a PK, a missed PK, I think yeah. Roma could have been looking at this game 5 nothing. I got to uh, take this one for Checo, the, the curve of curse here for the podcast. Last week I said Checo is playing all focused. He's accurate with his shots. He seems to know where the ball is going. And then this week you got he takes a penalty shot, and, and the Green Bay Packers kicker, Mason Crosby, just beat the Cowboys with a field goal, has to be jealous of Checo's penalty kick here because both kicks from both players have not landed yet. I, I wouldn't know because BN, um, <laughs> we're, we're watching, and if anybody else watched this game on BN, Jekko lines it up, and he's approaching the ball to take a PK, and BN drops the coverage. Trash. And they don't show us the highlight until halftime. No, they don't even yeah, – they didn't have it. They had, they, had, they had to buy it from another network. Yeah. That's uh, the Rai Uno or Ryan Due guys next to him. Hey, did you guys uh, get, that, get that footage? Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, Checo uh, 
had, had a bit of a rough game, uh, to say the least. But we did get to see El Capitano, Toti. And he comes in in the, fir- in the uh, second half. And uh, what did you guys think? When, as soon as he gets on the field, what happens? Just first touch, peach to, to Ninja. Could have scored his second volley uh, flying kick in the box. And it's just unbelievable to me. Because every single time Totti touches the ball, it seems like there's, you know, even if he messes it up, before he messes it up, it's like, okay, what's he going to do? Is he going to create a chance here? And he just seems to always be one of the best players on the, on the field. It just... It has me questioning every time. So, Why not play him more? Yeah, so there's the question. Uh, Toti, uh, being, he is 40 now. Uh, should we be playing him more? Marco, sounds like uh, you, you definitely want to see more Toti out on the field, yeah? I, I have to agree. I mean, it seems like when every time he goes out, especially, you know, Marco talking about in the first half of the season when, when he was playing against Europa League teams, that... You know, he's always one step ahead. And if, if you're not an exceedingly fast team that's going to wear Toti out over the course of an entire game, then he's going to have his way with you. I mean, he just has greater anticipation. I mean, even, even when he was a young guy, his passing and his, his anticipation and his rocket of a right foot, um, you know, made him a superior player. I mean, I think any time that the game is in doubt, you, you got to be thinking Toti in a super sub role. No doubt. Where, but would you guys be willing to put him on for the entire second half, or you just want to see him in the last 10 minutes more frequently? What Kind of expand I mean, on your... I guess the question is any of the above. Um, I would like to see him come in. If, if the game is, if is, is, in, is in doubt at all, he should be coming on in the 75th minute every single game. Here's my thing, okay? And this, this is going to even go back to last season. Pjanic. He was such an important player for Roma because at a certain point of the season, every team that wasn't a massive team was playing Roma the same way. Let him possess the ball, you know, drop the the line of uh, confrontation to like below the below the 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 circle on your side of the field, and you just let Roma keep the ball. And you know they're not that dangerous. Put a lot of pressure on Jacko so he like take, takes bad touches, and you know really. Pjanic stood out because he was able to make that penetrating pass. He had all the most assists in the league, and he was the best player for Roma last season. Well, I would say that this season, there's an opportunity to play Totti more. Why? Because just like last season, Roma is one of the highest possessing teams in Serie A. And when you play against teams, maybe like like you said, maybe not teams that are like, you know, the game is back and forth, but a lot of these smaller teams, they just drop off. And so the, the key is to have somebody who is unpredictable every time he has the ball. Unless Totti has worked something out with Spalletti for like a, a health thing, then I think it is imperative to put Totti in at the last 20, 30 minutes of these games where you're playing teams that are sitting back and so he can find and do the penetrating balls, the unexpected passes to get those goals. It's just, I don't understand why he doesn't play more. It can't, it can't be some sort of thing that he doesn't want to either because earlier in the season he was starting to complain about how he wanted to start. And so it's got to be bugging him that you know he, he doesn't get more playing time. But I totally agree with Marco. Our creativity in the final third is a problem that Roma has because teams can defend that. And Toti is a guy that can sh- you have to respect the shot, but you have to fear the pass. He's coming off an injury with the hamstring uh, to finish off the first half. We'll see uh, in the second half whether he plays a lot more. And uh, Marco and Tad are happy about it. <laughs> 
to the game itself, guys, not much to report on Udinese's end. We're our, our favorite uh, for Udinese, HDCT, Thoreau, um, probably the biggest threat of the game. Duvon also had a good one, uh, but but not much to report, just really the goal itself, yeah. Uh, why don't we just jump to the transfer uh, rumors and, and uh, actions for these two teams. Uh, starting quickly with Udinese, Tad's favorite guy, and Garfield's for that matter, Lasagna, back from Carpi. His name is Kevin Lasagna. That is the greatest. It's 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 like what a just a total dork who lives in his parents' basement like names himself. Like this this guy Kevin Lasagna, just just the best name ever. Hashtag saddest Italian thing ever. Looks like Udinese is gonna have to wait to get their lasagna, and hopefully they don't get their lasagna cold, because the the deal is that he's gonna stay at Carpi until June, and that always that's always interesting to me. It's like unless this guy is you know the next huge thing, which possible I guess because Udinese does these things with youth players and and players that fall under the radar, but unless he's like some huge player that has this massive growth potential, do you really want to take a chance, wait six months for him to get injured or whatever? and then when he comes in is he going to be at the same value that he is now i mean you know we'll see what happens how about for roma guys uh, a lot of news to report we'll just start with manolas manolas uh he's a lot of talk of him going uh elsewhere what, do you, what have you guys heard about him yeah i mean apparently Mourinho's still hot on him to want to come to manchester united and i think the thing is is what we said last week if the money's right roma will sell him and you know getting Fifty million dollars for Monolos when we we paid twenty, you know, is a, is a great return on investment. And I mean, guys, Fazio, this game was amazing again. I mean, he's really starting to turn heads in the Serie A. So it's great to have him as a partner with Monolos, but you know, it's 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 less of a blow if we can have somebody that can replace him. Yeah, and uh, I think Roma, you know, fifty million was a number being thrown around. I think Roma is just they want forty for him. Um, but you know, again, Manolas tweets enough with the lies about him not renewing his contract. I think he wants to stay at Roma, but we'll, you know, again, we'll see what happens. Sometimes in these situations, it's all about the money. He doesn't have to run as far with that funny high-handed run that he has back to Greece from Italy. So he probably wants to stick around a little bit. Nailed it. Nailed that. Joke. Looking like a Super Nintendo character. <laughs> Uh, how about some other uh, players we've been hearing about, guys? Uh, Faguli, West Ham. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have Figuli, but it looks like uh, West Ham's pushing back, kind of saying that even a loan option may not be uh, an option there. So Roma's really keeping really keen right now for this 30-year-old Portuguese midfielder, Jamutinho. He's on Monaco. Um, you know, he's pretty expensive in terms of how much he earns uh, his salary. But I think that... Um, you know, Feguli would be nice. Uh, Moutinho would be nice. We just need an attacking midfielder of some sort, maybe a winger, uh, to add to the dynamic uh, attack of, of Roma. All right, guys. So uh, for Roma, they're in four, they got 44 points. Uh, they're in second place right now. Only one point behind Juve, but as we said before, that's deceiving. And then Udinese down in 11th place with 25 points. So let's jump ahead now. We got the next game with Napoli and Pescara. This one finished off 3-1. Napoli is just very, very good. Napoli turn up in the second half to keep pace for second place, uh, competing with Roma. Marco, what did you think of this game? 
I think Napoli dominance, despite them being quiet in the first half, they had 23 shots to eight throughout the game. Uh, and look, this game is 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 all about Hamsi because he scores the second goal after they go up one nothing from a Tonelli header, two goals in two games for Tonelli. But Hamsik scores a, a beautiful goal similar to Nangolans with a, a, a chipping ball into the box and he scores off the volley. He is two goals away from Maradona's record of 115. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, Merton, Merton's also scoring uh, in, in this one too in the 85th minute. Poor giveaway again with Piscara. Just, just bad Bad defending, bad clearance. Um, what do you guys think uh, of that? Well, Mertens is a guy that's so hot right now and is desperate to score every single game. So he's going to be the first one that's going to take advantage of Pescard making any sort of mistake. And he knows what to do with it. Puts it away. Brace Mertens has another goal that, that gives him 13 for the season. Style points for uh, Mertens afterwards, drawing the heart on the camera. Sorry, 12 goals. I'm giving him one, one credit. Yeah, he goes up and f- breathes. I mean, the guy's scoring so much. You know, he's sitting in the locker room beforehand. He's like, what cool thing am I going to do when I score again? Yeah, he's got to be running out of celebrations here. Um, we also see uh, Piscard did get one back on, on, a, on a penalty kick, right? Uh, Caprari got this one. Um, not much else for Piscara. They're, they're, they are a lowly team and continue to be. Um, but Napoli, just just a great team. Just again, looking back from them giving up Iguain and where they are right now and how they're playing, um, just fantastic. Yeah, nobody wants to play. Yeah, nobody wants to play Napoli these days. So let's uh, let's talk about the transfers and and uh, things like that, guys. What are you seeing with Napoli, guys? You know, I, I, I saw Milik up and running. You know, so just. What they have right now is is depth at every position, and you know Gabbiadini, he's going to be out for sure right now. Just hammering out details. It's going to be a, probably a, a, a team in England, either West Brom, Stoke, Watford, where Walter Mazzari is, uh, or Southampton. I think Napoli wants around twenty million. But again, they are just looking to reinforce every position. I think one of the main focuses right now is to find the. Uh, the Vice Callejon, as, as I, I was reading on uh, Gazzetta dello Sport. Callejon! <laughs> They're looking at you know a couple options. Uh, ba- Bailey from Genk, Nabry from Werder Bremen. He's an ex-Arsenal player. Yarmolenko from Dinamo Kiev. Or Amato Ciciretti. Uh, that's right. That's Tad's that's my man right there. Tad's man. He plays for Benevento. He's 23, ex-Roma youth. He's our tattoo Twitter man. There you go. And so the question for me, guys, to you is, uh, you know, Napoli is just looking to add depth. Um, they have Real Madrid coming up in the Champions League. You know, obviously Real Madrid is the team they are. Is the ch- is the title chase the most realistic goal? I mean, the Serie A title chase? I think it's definitely a realistic goal. I mean, to me, a lot. Uh, sorry, um, Juventus is still the best team in the Serie A. They have all of the best players, but... Napoli's just playing so beautiful. And one thing that we've seen four times already is something that no one in the Champions League, four times in Serie A already, is something that no one in the Champions League so far has been able to do, and that's beat Juventus. So if they can keep it in with, within a one or two points, you know, keep slugging out these victories, um, it's, it's, it's definitely a realistic thing. And I think Real Madrid is going to have their hands full. And if they overlook Napoli at all, they could be going home real soon. Yeah, it's. It, I would say that Champions League, they, they do have a tough draw, right? Real Madrid is Real Madrid. But 
Um, the way they're playing, they are just they're so hot right now. And we we have seen them in in the beginning of Serie A. They they were down in middle of the pack for a little bit. So maybe they get hot here, and if they really give a run with Real Madrid, uh, I, I think it's realistic with Champions League, but but their next uh, round is is going to be very telling, obviously. How about guys for uh, Piscata? Uh, any transfer moves, any action with them? Look, they're making moves, uh, and I know it's Piscata, and they're you know bottom close to the bottom of the table, or they're... They are the bottom of the table. In the danger zone. <laughs> uh you know, they just brought in Bahebek uh, on loan from PSG, Gilardino, coming th- coming in this transfer window. Uh, they were looking at Lescott from the old Everton player and, and Simone Pepe. They brought in Stendardo from Atalanta and Bovo, the ex-Torino uh, defender. And so, you know, I guess the question to you guys from, from Pescara's point of view is, can they be saved? Because I think, yes. I mean, they have enough players... Um, They've been getting unlucky results, but they play pretty well, and they've been doing it all season. I, I think the question is, you know, can they just sure it up in the back? Marco, these guys have nine points. <laughs> the, the, to get out of the danger zone, they would have to double the amount of points they have right now. These, they are, they're getting relegated. They I are. mean, it's good that they're making moves, and you know, it looks like they're positioning themselves to win the Serie B next year. But um, yeah, these 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 guys are going down. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, Empoli giving up Gilardino. He plays with a chip on his shoulder now, and just damn it, man. Now I'm down with Piscara. Uh, maybe he's just played some inspiring soccer. But uh, I think Tad, you're right, man. I mean, right now in the in the table. Crotone is above them on goal differential, which is just they're going to go back and forth the rest of the season. But uh, that is, a, I think, a telling sign. Well, maybe it's because Piscata's my, my squad. Yeah, I, uh, I did see some water blast out of your blowhole a little bit. Yeah. Delfino. Daie Delfini. Still hoping for the relegation race, guys. If Empoli can, can uh, lose a couple games and keep this interesting here, four team race for, for the three teams going down, that'll be fun. We'll see. All right, guys, uh, that'll do it for that game. Let's jump to the next one in the top five, OTFR playing Atalanta. This score finished 2-1 with OTFR uh, over Atalanta. Headlines got to be Atalanta come back down to earth when they can't account for the X factor that is Chiro Immobile. Tad, what do you got? Um, Guys, I have to admit that I didn't watch this game live. Um, I don't watch OTFR live because the bolt-shaped scar on my forehead hurts anytime that Team Voldemort comes around to play. Um, yeah, that's what the headache's from, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I watch the highlights in a language that no one can possibly speak. It, it just, just what was going? It sounded like a like Slytherin. A, yeah, it sounded like a guy that yeah, it was, it was Slytherin. <laughs> it sounded like a guy like a like a an immigrant from you know into Finland from Kazakhstan. You know, who was holding his nose while talking, right? It's, it's just, I, I have a little bit of sound here for it. But if anybody can tell me what language this is. That's some free advertisement right there. What, what is that language? Anyways. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so, I, so to the game itself, you know, Patang has been knocking on the door. He opens up scoring in the twenty first minute. Finally earns his paycheck with a goal. Um, but then afterwards, for some reason, Inzaghi gets the boot. Uh, you know, I couldn't really make out through what was happening. Look, and then, at, look at look at him. Like he looks like a a, a petulant 
little kid with that haircut. I mean, how is that haircut in? <laughs> Where is it in? He looks like he, like he's ten years old, and then you look at his face and looking all old. But like, it's unbelievable. Well, as you know, as you know, Marco, the barber shop in Italy is an interesting place in itself. And so he probably went, goes somewhere, sits down, looks in the mirror, and just goes, "Make me look ridiculous." And they're like, "We got you, man." Um, but yeah, he gets kicked out. Um, and in the second half, the, the score gets tied up. Um, Mili Savic, uh, you know, scales some dude, uh, and there's a for a header goal that uh, was a pass from Ratlich. So Ratlich, fresh off his extremely debilitating de- suspension, has come back and, and contributes to the game. And we have one one just before half. Immobile seals the deal in the 68th minute after beating two Atlanta Atlanta players. Felipe Anderson lays one right on him. He streaks past the two guys, gets a foot on it, and the goalie just knocks him out. Um, draws the penalty and converts himself. Um, then afterwards, in the in the remaining ten minutes of the game, it seemed like Immobile could have even two more goals. So uh, OTFR completely uh, uh, comes in and dominates Atalanta in this game um, to the, so much to the point that Gasparini is saying that they need to buy people. It looks like the loss of of Gagliardini is huge. Um, it seemed like they were out of you know out of stride. So my question for you guys is: Is OTFR and Atalanta, you know, they're five points away from each other and they're fighting for a spot in Europe? Does this OTFR victory seal in your mind that they are actually the better team? You know, um, I'm not sure about that, just because the, the it's fresh off the the break, it's fresh off the transfer window. Uh, Atalanta losing Gagliardini uh, to Inter, you know, and it, it really we need to just put things in perspective a little bit Atalanta coming into the season was not at the level of OTFR but you know end of the day OTFR you know has Immobile firing off on all cylinders this season they have Felipe Anderson firing on all cylinders and they're having a great season themselves I would say that OTFR at the moment is probably uh, the the favorite for for getting into the Champions League for the, between the two at least. Yeah, they're riding high right now on Immobile. That's his second uh, game winner in as many weeks. So I'd say that they're just riding a, a hot player right now. Atalanta, I'm I'm hopeful. I guess I like Cinderella stories and and hopeful that they can challenge. But uh, I think you just got to give the momentum right now to OTFR. It's it's really tough for Atalanta to go onto the go on the road and to go into Stadio Olimpico in front of Lazio. Sorry, to go on the road in front of OTFR's seven fans that watch the games in the stadium. Um, you know that that can be it could be a little much for a young team like them. Yeah. All right, guys, let's jump ahead. Uh, Last game, uh, obviously, uh, we, we've said before, Torino-Milan. We're not going to talk about it because it hasn't been played yet at the time of recording here. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We're not that good yet, guys. Give yeah. us the next season before we can start you know, telling you about games that haven't been played yet. We'll talk about that, but we do want to mention uh, uh, the uh, transfer market stuff for, for both these teams. Torino first. Uh, start off with Belotti. Guys, what have you heard about him? Yeah, you know, there's a uh, buyout clause of 100 mil, uh, you know, for out of outside of Italy teams, and there's a rumor out there that 65 million from Arsenal, but you know, President Cairo says Belotti's worth more. You know, it just makes me makes me think that is Belotti that good? Because if you ask me, yeah, he's incredible for Torino. 
Um, but then, you know, players like this that are just stand out on a mediocre team like like Torino go to a huge squad where they have to compete for their spot, you know, for the spotlight. And a lot of the time they fall off. So, like, it would just, to me, be completely just wild for any team to throw $65 million at Belotti. Um, I think he, he still needs to prove himself. Is Belotti worth $65 million? The answer is no. Because if you can't say yes euros, immediately, euros. Say 60, well, it's all funny money here. Right. Um, but if you can't say absolutely, he's not worth that amount of money. And to, to pay that much, to pay $65 million in this day and age for anybody, it has to be a sure thing, an absolute guarantee that the only thing that stops this person from being an absolute, being the best player on your team is injury or you already have somebody that's better than him. Paying $65 million is a huge get. You know, Belotti, he's been he's been tearing it up. I mean, he's been playing really well with the national team. He definitely has a knack for goal. Um, but you know, he needs he needs a season where he's a capo cannonieri before we can give him sixty-five million bucks. Yeah, I agree with that. Torino, despite Belotti's best efforts, are still in ninth place with only twenty-nine points. Uh, and and they are one of his best players. So uh, they have a game in hand though, right? Uh yes. Today, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um but still, uh, it's not enough for me. Uh, that, that's a pretty uh, good offer. How about for Milan, guys? Uh, uh, what are they doing in the transfer market here? Adriano it goes back to Spartak Mos- Moscow. You know, Adriano's another head scratcher. Like, where where was he? He, was, he had all this promise. He was so dangerous in the Champions League for Spartak Moscow. Goes to Milan and kind of you know loses fa- goes out of favor and never really gets a, a good chance in my opinion uh you know lots of talk of baka going out and then how milan can use that money to potentially get telefo um and then maybe even payet but you know other than that seems like milan is being pretty conservative um you know they they're just trying to be smart with their money. Maybe that's got to do with some you know backdoor dealings uh, with the Chinese. We don't know you know what's going on there, but they are just seemingly trying to be you know very smart with their money. Yeah, the the Chinese investment thing seems like they're it's holding up a lot of spending in the summer. They didn't really spend any money. Um, if they can get Payet, um, he's an absolute excellent player, um, and he's kind of right now hitting his peak in his prime. He had a great showing in the Euros. Um, so it, it seems like West Ham, you know, is done with him. But there's going to be a lot of suitors for him. You know, if, if Milan, it, it might just be kind of something they're keeping in their back pocket. All right, that rounds out the top five. Let's jump now, guys, to the middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million square foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivery and installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. We're going to start with Inter and Chievo. This one finishes 3-1, and Icardi continues to sprinkle goals in Serie A like the social media salt guy meme does on his stakes. If you guys haven't seen that yet, I highly recommend it. Um... 
Scoring summary, Chievo starts the scoring with a Plissier header off a corner in the 33rd minute. So pretty good start for Chievo. But, and, and Inter doesn't have a response until Il Capo Conieri, Icardi, gets his 15th on the season. Game goes 1-1 in the 69th minute. And here comes Inter. They don't get the game winner until the 86th minute, but Perisic runs the break himself, keeps it, and scores. He's got pretty good uh, season so far himself. He's got a seven on the season. Um, and then just for good measure in the dying moments of the game, Kievo gives up a bad pass in the back, followed by a bad clearance, and Adair makes him pay. Final score, 3-1. Guys, what would you think here? Uh, any uh, thoughts on uh, Inter first? Yeah, Inter, um, you know, I, I only saw the first half of this game, and uh, Inter was, was knocking on the door, but, you know, going down 1-0 to Kievo, everyone's just kind of thinking that game, when when is the other shoe going to drop for Inter? When do they get beat by some team that has no business beating them? But they turn on the second half, and here we go. Um, we have Inter on a, on a run, and now I believe they are, what place are they in? They're in fifth place with 36 points. So they're you know fighting to stay in Europe. It does seem uh, I, I'm still amazed with Icardi. It'd be, before the break, I was saying uh, you know Icardi may be on his way out, but the autobiography disaster of how he called out the ultras, then he challenges the ultras to a fist fight. Um, just winning cures all ills, guys. Uh, it's like the Raiders. Just win, baby. Just win. Yeah, I t- I called that. As long as he's scoring goals, and as long as Inter's doing well people are going to change their opinion in Milan about about Icardi. Yeah, Ultra seem to have quieted down about uh, their rancor with him. Uh, Marco, what do you think? Uh, uh, you, you mentioned here Stefan Jovetic. Uh, he goes to Sevilla and already has uh, some results under his belt. What do you think of that? It's unbelievable. Uh, another one of these players that, again, we don't see what happens in training, uh, and that obviously makes makes or breaks sometimes players from from starting uh, according to coaches but you know he comes in midweek in the Copa del Rey game and scores on his debut for Sevilla and they get the tie uh, and then he goes and scores the game winner against uh, Real Madrid breaking their 40 game unbeaten streak that they just got the record midweek uh, and it's unbelievable to me that a, a player with the you know, the stature of Jovetic, who, who went to uh, Man City and did well for a while and then went out of favor, comes to Inter, doesn't really get a chance, uh, and then goes to Sevilla and starts scoring against Real Madrid. It just makes me wonder, like, Inter, like, what, you think you you, you can't, uh, or you think you can spare a player like Jovetic right now? Like, you're not winning the league, guys, you know? There's, there's a lot of turmoil with Inter this year. Our, our, Icardi's drama being just a small part of it. But, they, you know, they've changed coaches three times already this season. Um, so maybe Jovetic is a player that, that fell through the cracks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was unbelievable going through the season and, you know, looking at uh, uh, Inter's games and looking at Jovetic on the bench and you're like, oh yeah, they have they have him, they have him. Obviously, you know, the second he goes, he's able to be an impactful player in, in big games. As far as uh, Kievo guys, uh, just switching gears, um, not much transfer news for them, and just having a rough go of it right now. It's a four straight loss for the Flying Donkeys up in Kievo. Um, wish I had more positive news to report, but uh, they, they need to do something. Yeah, they are stuck in 12th place right now with 25 points. Uh, and we already mentioned uh, Inter's up there in fifth with 36. So Kievo, got to do something. 
Up next, we got Cagliari and Genoa. Final score here, 4-1 Cagliari. Uh, more people going to listen to this podcast than went to the stadium to watch Boriello net a brace against flailing Genoa. Tad, you got it. Guys, there was no one at this game. Yeah. I mean, th- it, it made a, it made an OTFR game look heavily attended. It just... I mean, I think I could see every single person's facial expression in the game as it was going on. I wonder if they were all as enamored with Boriello as you are, dude. Oh, Boriello, just, just does he have to play with a shirt on? He's can, living living that bomber life, man. Can he can he just can he just paint a number on him? Um, the only thing good thing for Genoa was they scored first. Simeone gets one, uh, knocks in a header on the sixth. Genoa goes up. 1-0, and after that, it is all Cagliari. Borriello nets a brace. Uh, he taps one in to make it 1-1. One, uh, Joe Pedro has another trash cleaning up. Tapped in after a missed Borriello header. Actually, Borriello hit the woodwork twice in this game, so he could have had one of his patented once-every-five-years hat trick. Um, and then Borriello scores on yet another re- re- uh, rebound as the general team just looks like they've given up. Um but Boriello has nine goals on the season and four goals in his last five. So look out. Not only sub-20 Italian strikers aren't the only ones, you know, making waves here. We got some, you know, 40-year-old ones uh, <laughs> uh, between Boriello and and um, and and Francesco Totti. Um, but, you know, the icing on the cake at the end, Diego Faria scores a, a PK. Sends Genoa their fifth straight loss in the Serie A since they beat Juventus. On eleven twenty-seven, giant killer. So yeah, Genoa. I mean, this game—they're just trash in the back. It was—it was really hard to watch. The just the 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 uninspired goals they were going to give up. Um, and we spoke last week about Genoa being decimated by transfers and injuries with Perin tearing his ACL. But you know, like losing to Roma and losing to Calgary are two different things. How does a team like Genoa go in such a downward spiral after one of the biggest, one of their biggest club victories in recent history? Yeah, you know, I feel like I say this at least once a week uh, with with Genoa is that they're just a middle of the pack team, and uh, you know that just means that when you're middle of the pack, you're inconsistent. You have a few players that can pull results for you, and here's another great example. They have the opportunity to really just move forward a couple points against uh, a Cagliari team that's also kind of been up and down, and uh, for me. You know, unless Genoa starts to find some sort of consistency, uh, that's where they're going to stay. Just middle of the pack. In fact, lower than the mid- middle of the table, but still, you know, c- clearly out of the danger zone. Yeah. All right. Let's they keep... Got, they got reinforcements coming, though, too. It seems like they've uh, re-signed um, Rubinho uh, after the loss of Perrin. So we could see uh, uh, a... Uh, a resurgence, a return of an old guy. What's the, what's the guy from that we were just talking about before the podcast for Roma, the, the goalie? Oh, my God. Let's not even bring up Guego Chea, man. I, mean, I, can't, Guego I Chea. can't keep a straight face talking about him. But speaking of Guego Chea, I mean, Rubinho is funny. Last game, we were looking at him when he came off the bench. It looks like he just got out of a massive cat nap or something. <laughs> like, you know, Perin's obviously been deeply rooted as a starter there for a while now. And, uh, you know, it looks like Rubinho's really going to have to step up to the plate. So maybe he uh, drinks some coffee before this next match. Geno also picked up Cantaldi from OTFR and Adele Tarabept. Terrapt, uh, who's coming over on loan from Benfica. So a couple of players from decent teams uh, coming over and, and maybe help Genoa do other, anything other than lose because they've done that five times in a row now. Let's keep going, guys, to 
a terrible game. Sampdoria Empoli ended up 0-0, getting a useless point for both of these teams. Marco, what do you got? Now, I think the the scoreline will will say that it's a terrible game, but there was a lot of missed chances in this game. There was a goal line uh, clearance, a PK missed, a couple saves from both keepers. They both had great games. And uh, look, Samp sitting at 24 points and Empoli at 18, just outside the danger zone, a 0-0 loss does no good for either one. They both are just hoping that this is the one that they get the three points and it'll be the padding for the next loss uh, you know, down the table to one of the bigger teams. Um, I watched this game three times. <laughs> in terms of the, ch- the, the chances, I mean, like I said, there's 16 to 14 in shots. So although the score is deceivingly bad, uh, it, there was some chances. Uh, Mick Delizzi, uh, Tad's favorite player, at least to pronounce. The Georgia Peach. Has been uh, has his penalty kick saved in the thirty first, and and maybe he's just busy thinking about you know like what what the hell am I wearing? Because look, Empoli is out. They they they're out of ideas here. They got their fuchsia kits, and I think now they're just looking to blind their opponents into uh, submission because it's it's unbelievable. Look at these jerseys online. Uh, it it's something that you've not seen. It's like if a traffic cone was a hippie. That's what they would look like. Maybe uh, going off of our research from the beginning of the season, maybe there was some laundry snafu um, that that made that changed his color, and this is going to be Empoli's jerseys from now on. <laughs> yeah, they got a, a highlighter in in the dryer. Uh, but anyways, uh, again, zero zero useless points, but good games from both Pujoni, who has the has the PK save, and Skorupski makes some big saves throughout the match. Um, that's pretty much it for this game. Another clean sheet for Skrupski. I'm yep. just going to go ahead and say it. Another clean sheet for Skrupski. Yeah. And if you score a single goal against Empoli, chances are you're going to win. They just <laughs> they don't score. Um, but good good for him. How about the transfer market, guys? Let's start with uh, Sampdoria. Uh, yeah. What have they been doing? Quags signed a new contract um, through 2019. Um, I mean, Sampdoria's got to be happy that he's going to be sticking around. He's been one of the few bright spots this season. Um, and then Marco saw something about Cassano's picture is off their website. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just got distracted. We uh, we have a we have an imposter in the room over here, Pepper. Pepper, the podcasting pug. He's the one actually that made me watch the Empoli game for the third time. He's like, no, Tad. We gotta watch it again. Tab, we gotta put some socks on on this dog, or at least get a carpet for this room. Um, he's he's lucky. He's cute. Uh, but yeah, Cassano, man, un- the, you know, unbelievable. First of all, Samdoria. I I'm I'm curious why Cassano doesn't play because he, you know, you figured for a team like Samdoria, any player who brings you know viewership up and, and you know is quite frankly creative still even though he's kind of old why not play him but it's just funny there's a row between Cassano and the the office right now the front office they they still have Cassano on the roster on the website but they took his picture off so he's just like it's like in FIFA when you're going you know you're using your team and you go to the the reserves and like they don't have the the actual player photo for the the players that are just like unknown you know and so it's like it's it's just funny to me some Dodia, like quite frankly like who do you think you are you know <laughs> well you, you have to ride the pine if you've been warned several times by uh by Sampdoria front office people to stop dating our daughters Cassano <laughs> just does it anyways he's a pimp all right and how about for uh Empoli guys real quick uh what have they been up to 
here's Empoli, you know, like, again, eight points out of the danger zone. And they have two options here, you know, either reinforce bringing in a journeyman like Diamanti. He's, he's looking like to be knocking on the door um, and or, or just bring in youth, uh, poach youth from big teams and try to flip them. So there's Tiam and Maori from Juventus and Milan. Uh, I just really, you know, Empoli, it's kind of a sad situation, but they got to go for the Udinese model, you know, to make money, bring young players in, develop, and then sell. All right. That'll do it for the middle of the pack. Now we're going to go to the... The Danger Zone. Marco and Tad's favorite. The relegation Danger Zone. Hey, I, I never get I've never been so excited talking about terrible teams before. That's so right. let, let me have let me have my little danger zone. I've you never been it. so excited to say two words. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're up first, Tad. Uh, Sassuolo and Palermo. This one finished 4-1 in Sassuolo's favor. What do you got? Yeah, after uh after a ham and cheese quaison. Um, opened up scoring. Um, Berardi lets the world know he's back with two assists and a, t- assists and a man of the match performance against, let's face it, a crappy Palermo team. Dude, th- come on, <laughs> they're good. Well, they, their first goal was good. I think that they, it, it should have been counted for two. Um, Hatton Cheese Quaison scores in the ninth minute. Nestorovsky has has basically the pass of the week. He's straight up bodies two Sassuolo chumps who try and tie him up. And then he just has an amazing backheel to a streaking, not the naked kind, if it's Boriello, maybe. But, <laughs> not um, the tad kind. The, uh, the, the streaking ham and cheese quaison, who then bodies two more Sassuolo chumps, jupes the goalie, 1-0. Palermo, everyone's like, yes, We're here back. we go. We're back, yeah. 1-0, Sassuolo is terrible. Um, but, you know, Berardi shows up. The first goal of his first assist, he takes the ball, pivots, and lays it off to Alessandro Matri, who just blasted in 1-1. I mean, just a, a perfect feed for anybody who's if, – if you're trying to set up somebody for score. And then his second one, he Berardi does his best Toti impersonation, 39-year-old Toti. That's vintage Toti impersonation by just dropping a dime right on Ragusa in stride. Ragusa, Yusa get a goal, 2-1 Sassuolo. And then the third goal is just embarrassing for Palermo, so we shall not speak of it. Um, you know, I love that whole Ragusa Yusa thing. Like, I walk to the train station every morning, and I'm after after on a Tuesday morning after a podcast, and I'm just like Ragusa Yusa, Ragusa Yusa. I don't know. I don't that's know. a hit, man. Is just, that gonna be on your next album? I just wanted to give you some props <laughs> for that. Yeah, um, but this the third goal for for Palermo that is just so embarrassing. Um, so I guess we won't talk about it, but just know it secured a matchy brace that wasn't even good enough for him to earn man of the match honors. So <laughs> the guy who scores two goals does not earn man of the match in my book. And then more good news for Sassuolo. Politano, off of injury, um, comes back, comes on late and scores one in the 83rd. It looks like the horses are back for Sassuolo. Um, you know, Berardi has two assists and three tackles in this game. Matri has a brace. Politano scores. Um there's only really two questions that I have for you guys. Um, one is, does Sassuolo really play Tub Thumper by Chumbawamba every time they score? It's a classic. It's, it's an instant classic. Is just, that the song that plays when they the score? the song that plays when they score. I'm perfect for this season. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Dude, the, uh, the Italians just love 
old school music, uh, old school Italian or uh, one hit wonders from like my, when I was in high school. It's 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 funny, man. But you know that's that's kind of fitting for for Sassuolo. You know, <laughs> it's just like my my pay stadiums kind of like you know kind of looks like a high school football stadium, and it's like and that's what they put on. You know, I'm surprised. I just, it's just a guy who's like Chumba Wumba. Yes, see. We we play Chumbawamba. Which 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 Chumbawamba song? There is only one Chumbawamba song. It is Tub Thumper. It makes you wonder what the pregame you know CD, the warm up CD is. You oh, know? it's a CD that's playing. You yeah, know, right. it's a CD for sure. They have not gone digital at my pay, and yet. it's it's probably playing off some computer speakers off like the the press box. How much money do you think it would actually take for them to get actual? Chumbawamba to come play in the stadium every game. I bet I bet they would do it for a ham and cheese quaison. They wouldn't be able to keep Berardi. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, after this game, that had Berardi, Acerbi, Matri, Politano, and Ragusa, Yusa all playing well. Can we expect a second half run from Sassuolo if they stay healthy? It's a good start with uh, playing Palermo, but I don't know. They've just disappointed me so many times. I, I need to see like at least three or four more games before I can say but anything. The, but the main reason they're disappointing you is because Berardi wasn't playing. Now he's back wrecking the discotheque. Look, uh, guys, I mean, I, we've been saying it all season. You know, sometimes players are more than just uh, goals and assists. They're the emotional you know, pendulum of, of the team, just like Totti. Totti comes on the field, and all of a sudden it feels like all hope is regained. I just think that Berardi just brings that emotional um, uh, excitement to to Sassuolo, and uh, I think that they are going to turn their season around. Now, if Berardi is healthy, he's a guy that I could see someone paying 65 million euros for. Um, not a whole lot of transformers from these guys. Marseille have apparently been the recent, the most recent suitor for Acherby. They've offered 10 mil. It doesn't seem like Sassuolo wants to budge at that price point. Um, Ranocchia, though, is interesting. He's the interplayer, disgruntled interplayer. Looks like there's a chance of him going to Sassuolo, which I think would be a boon to that team. Um, he's a quality player, just hasn't been able to find find his way on the field. Um, and the, I think the biggest news coming out of today is it looks like Carini is about to get canned, and there's some talk about Deserbi coming back. No, 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 no. Only in Syria. No, let's not do this. Let's not do this anymore, man. <laughs> You just paid him $5 million to fire him, and then you hire him At back. least bring in Di Natale. <laughs> Who wants out more? Do you think Palermo wants out of Serie A, by the way, just their decision-making, or does Carmelo Anthony want out of the New York Knicks? What would you guys say? Man, that's a tough yeah, one, man. That's a tough one. I don't really care about either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one for the danger zone. We got Crotone and Bologna. This one finished one nothing. Go figure, Crotone loses. Crotone still missing the last gear to win games. Uh, just they had chances in this game, and I admit I'm a Crotone tifoso, but uh, um, not much going on in this game. There's one goal in the game with Somali. He five holes Crotone defender Ferrari twenty yards out, and goal goal for the, in the far corner. Yeah, that's what's going on there. Zamali embarrasses Ferrari in that yeah. goal. Um, and then uh, they just continue to just miss chances to win games. They have through balls. They have free kicks. They have breakaways. Falcinelli, Palladino, Trotta, they all didn't play badly, uh, but they don't finish. And uh, that's the story of their season. That uh, That's why they're in the danger zone. To add insult to injury, they got no transfers uh, going on in this window. And you just got to scream if you're, if you're a fan. If you want to stay up, you got to do something different. You have to. 
Um, you, so, you, you have you put your papers in to play for Grittone yet? Not, yes, and I've demanded that <laughs> the front office uh, respond to my pleas, but uh, nothing yet. I did see that Crotone was trying to potentially get Gerson from Roma. Um, maybe that's just hot rumors, but you know, there's another player that I don't think has gotten enough of a chance, even though the Roma midfield has been doing well enough. Anyways, <coughs> I, I, I saw that out there, you know, just for all you Crotone fans like Chris. Um, you know, maybe it's the light at the end of the tunnel, or maybe it's just a hallucination. <laughs> they, they, they need Balotelli. Yeah, it would be nice to get him back. Yeah. Um, for Bologna, they picked up Petkovic. Uh, he's a forward from Trapani, but just a small name uh, as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, not not too much uh, to report there with Bologna. So guys, it's like, tra- it's like uh, are you sure it's not Trapani from Petkovic? You know what I'm saying? It's like. <laughs> You don't know why you don't know what's going on in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll do it for week twenty, guys. Uh, on to the awards. Let's start after reviewing all those games. What is your goal of the week? For me, it's a no-brainer. It's the ham and cheese quaison because Nestorovsky's back heel makes it. It adds the olive oil. God, I'm hungry right now. Uh, for me, it's uh, Nangolan with the flying ninja kick. Uh, after a sweet pass into the box, he takes it out of the air and gets a nice golazo, similar to Hamsik's goal. Hiya! I'm going to go with Atalanta's Petania. It's good, good, solid goal. Didn't mean anything against OTFR, but uh, it, it's always good when you score against OTFR. Um, how about for save of the week at the other end of the field, guys? What was your save? I got to go with Kenny. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Chesney um, had a had an excellent save in the second half of the Roma game that saved us from beating our heads against the wall because we drew Udinese one one. I like Pujoni's PK save against uh, you know uh, against Mick Delice. Although Mick Delice tried to blind him with his jersey, he was able to still save the the, the PK. He must have done it like eyes closed, Han Solo. Uh, you know, was it Han Solo? Is is it Han Solo or Luke Skywalker? Anyways, <laughs> made the save. Okay, and I'm going to go with Cortaz for Crotone because uh, I need something positive to say with them. He did have a couple good saves, uh, uh, paired one, one uh, ball outside of the net. Um, it, it was a legit good save. How about overall, guys, players of the week? Who are you taking that for week 20? Strootman all day. Strootman's, uh, I think he, he's going to be the key for Roma if they really want to battle for the title. Uh, when he's passing the ball the way he's doing, he looked like a, the player from 2013 that was, uh, you know, probably at the end of that season, if he didn't get injured, going to go somewhere for a lot of money. Uh, he's my my non-Roman favorite player on Roma. The Dutch Jesus. The yeah. Dutch Jesus. Uh, I'm going to stick with other guys that have battled injury problems in the past. Domenico Berardi is back. He was a difference maker in this game. And, uh, you know, without him, maybe they struggle to, to beat Palermo. But with him, they absolutely thrash. I'm going to give it to Icardi. Uh, eating humble pie still on that one. Uh, just all is forgiven as so long as you keep winning. So Inter's got to be happy with their uh, capo Cananieri. All right, so we finished off week 20. We're looking ahead already to week 21, and we got Saturday and Sunday games with that. Guys, who are you looking forward to in the upcoming week games? Well, for me, the most intriguing game is going to be AC Milan versus Napoli. Uh, AC Milan is about to, Milan is about to take on Torino here in about an hour, um, but I think that it, 
if they execute there, this is this is a game where you where the rubber's going to meet the road for Milan. Uh, it's a it's a huge test. Um, Napoli is playing gangbusters right now. Um, I I think they're going to have a result, but it's Milan's big first big game in a while. Um, I'm going to go with Napoli's going to win this one two one. I think that Napoli's going to win this one as well. They're just too hot, um, and I think Milan is going to be a little bit tired uh, having played the having having the short week. Um, again, I think that just Mertens and Hamsik and Callejon, they're just like, I, I don't know, they can't take a, a step out of place right now. So um, Napoli 3-1 for me, it's going to be an easy game. for Not easy. It's going to be a, a, a good result for them. I think it's unanimous then. Napoli, I'm going to say 3-0. Very simple. Uh, they're just really, really great. Uh, up next, uh, we got another big game we wanted to mention on Sunday. We got Juve and OTFR. Rough start time for this one uh, for here, for those of us here on the East Coast in the U.S. 6.30 a.m. Guys, who are you taking for this game? I wish they could both lose. Goes without saying. <laughs> I'm going to say it's going to be a uh, Juventus win, just going off of patterns. Um, Juventus always seems to bounce back after a loss, and I don't think that anything's going to change this time around. Yeah, I'm going to say Juventus is going to take this one. They usually thrash pretty hard after they lose, just as Atalanta being the latest victim. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that Juventus is going to win this game 2-0. Let me just put in a caveat there, though. If they don't win, and there's a tie or anything or a loss, this could be the start of Roma's uh, run for the title. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I'm showing my front two teeth. Woo! <laughs> All right. So looking ahead to week 21, that'll do it for us this week. Our next podcast will be in the new administration. So thank you, President Obama. And we'll be recording in a new administration. Hopefully I'll still be here. Yeah. Until then, guys, we say... Arrivederci. Forza Roma. Ciao. Ciao.